This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So friends, that's the, that's the part of the, the story that we're looking at today. And, you know, give you a little more time to think as we start the service here. We're going to start with this, this, this beautiful piece of like, how do we navigate? How do we move through the storm? And part of the moving through the storm, again, is community and the idea that we do it together. As we, as we struggle with these issues of control and issues of how do I fit and, and wondering how this all works out. We know one thing, which is we know that community matters and it matters that we all do it together. So in light of that, we have a very special song for you. This is from singers from a local high school, Central Bucks South. Our very own Blake Fiadino is is part of this group, a wonderful young adult here at New Church Live. And and I wanted to pick this song, not because it's like a deeply religious song, but because it shows a beautiful community of young adults and just a reminder, again, at the beginning of the service of where we're going to go at the end of the service. The community really counts. So enjoy this song as we get the service started. So I wanted to start that just so we could start today with a smile, you know, and thank you again to the students of Council Rock South. Deeply appreciate you guys doing that. And, and, and just that reminder of song and, and music and joy and, and how we can live into those things in, in very trying times. And looking at these times, I mean, we're learning a lot about where we're not in control. Uh, lots of examples here. I've learned that I'm not in control of the actions of others, including those closest to me. Another person, and I like this, I think that so many of us could get this, literally everywhere, literally everywhere in my life, personal life, work, and now with this virus, I have been forced to just sit back and realize that I am not in control. And there's lots of other answers that, that I'll share, you know, on, online. You know, even one of the ones that I, that I enjoyed was, was uh, you know, somebody saying, I'm not in control how other people do social distancing. Another one here with family. I had to learn the hard way. I'm not in control of my family and my family's members' emotions. So many different examples there of areas where we're not in control. And, you know, for me personally, there's been lots of that. You know, I'm a big planner. And the whole idea that that planning is is not um, something that this yields to or something that yields necessarily a way out of that we try to do, obviously, the best we can. So today I want to look a little bit more at that. So this is the overview of today's service. As we figuratively ride the waves of the storm where old patterns are challenged, we may feel increasingly that we are no longer in control. But in a certain respect, being in control is not that important. Losing control can be the first step towards transformation. And, and there, you know, it's, it's losing control. It doesn't mean we lose control of our emotions or anything like that. It's, it's this loosening of control. That, that's never easy to do, obviously. I love Anne Lamont's great quote where she said, nothing ever left my hands without claw marks on it. I think that gets right to what the challenges are. And, and today, we're going to go right into that part of the story. So, what's the story? The story is this very famous one. A lot of people know, even if they're not terribly religious people, they know because it's just become sort of a cultural, part of our cultural conversation. And that's the story of Noah's Ark. So we looked at last week, that kind of preparing for the storm. And, 
and it's, it's this, this, this poetic story. We, New Church, we don't hold this as literal truth. We hold it as poetic truth. It's talking about how we sail through life, how we move through things. And, and the first preparation stage was, was building an ark, getting an ark ready, uh, a ship, but not a ship, and I'll come back to that in a little bit. And, and all the animals come on it, Noah and his family come on it, and, and that's how they get through a huge flood that destroys the world. And it's a beautiful story in so many ways because it's talking about our journey through storms. And it's a poetic story. It's not about actually destruction of the bad guys. It's destruction of those parts in our life, us getting rid of those parts that no longer serve. Us getting rid of those parts that no longer serve. And our floods in life tend to do that. They're not comfortable. They're not fun. They go on way too long. And it is a remarkable part to watch how a lot of those other sillier concerns that we have tend to get washed away. And we come to this much greater sense of what actually is true, what matters, and what lasts. Incredibly beautiful, beautiful concept there, I believe. Now, as we look at this story, folks, you know, in terms of, of how, of how the story goes, it's a beautiful piece that we'll be, we'll be looking at today. And it's, it's about actually riding out that storm. So I want to read it. I want to read that part for you. And then I want to talk about it for a little bit. This is from Genesis chapter seven. For 40 days, 40 is really significant there, means sort of the ultimate of challenge. For 40 days, the flood flood kept coming on the earth and the waters increased. They lifted the ark high above the waters, high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. In other words, everything was just all water. Every living thing that moved on the earth, perished birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swam, everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. And, and folks, again, don't think of that literally. Think of that as the, the death of parts that don't serve. Again, that doesn't make it easy. This is, this is a challenging journey. And it's a time where we really do feel like that flood is happening. That idea of a flood that, that starts small, but then, but then this flooding lasts 40 days. And we think 40 days of rain is a long time. I went to Penn State, State College, second rainiest town, second rainy, rainiest city in the United States behind Seattle. I don't think we ever had 40 straight days. But I think it's trying to get us to a point to think, yeah, 40 days of rain. What would I do with 40 days straight of rain? You know, that idea that, that flood in life and, and I imagine that a lot of you right now can feel that. Can feel what it's like to be sitting in a flood. You know, one person wrote, and, I, and I, it's very true, a lot of you wrestling with this, like what she, what she doesn't control. She doesn't control when her husband goes back to work or if he goes back to work. If he's going to have a job. That's a flood. That's something that feels like it's going to last a long time. And that's something that's, that's part of a process that is, that is incredibly challenging on so many levels. 
And the story often gets told is like, well, we had these 40 days of flooding and then everything's okay. And it's not. You get the 40 days of flooding and then the Bible goes on and says this. The waters flooded, in other words, the floods already happened, flooded the earth for 150 days. And I, and I just think about this, you know, kind of when, when this all started, we're in, in our, uh, you know, our fifth week, I think, you know, and, and, uh, we passed that 40 days and, and of quarantine. And boy, I'm sure for a lot of you, it was like, wow, I can get through the next, I remember thinking, if we just get through the next couple of weeks, we'll be fine. Like, it's just, it's going to be a little flood. We'll mop up the water, all done. But not how it's worked, right? Imagine for very few of us, that has been true. Again, and people will handle it in different ways. Some people are finding ways to really thrive within this context, and that's good. Some people are really struggling, and that's also part of life as well. But the idea that the flood just has this sort of this end date isn't, isn't how life really works, right? Remember when Nora talked, she said, you know, on average, you know, the average, I forget exactly what she said, but she said some of the effect of the average business gives you three days of grieving and then you're supposed to be done. You know, it's like saying 40 days of flooding done. No, it it keeps on going. It's, It's a flood that lasts for a long time. And even after that, he still stays on the ark for a long time. So when, when you start from the, when he went onto the ark figuratively, again, it's a poetic truth here. When he went on the ark, it's when him and his family finally leave. It's over 370 some odd days, over a year, which I think a lot of us get. When we're in floods, it feels like it's going to go on forever. And that may be its own form of temptation. And it's not that it doesn't feel forever and that we can't feel that way and be like, yeah, you know what, today what I'm struggling with is that it's going to last forever. I think we can say that. And we don't need to interject if we hear that from a loved one, interject and like, no, you need to have hope. It's all going to be good tomorrow. You don't want to do that. You just go get it. I get it. I get that's where you are today. And it's knowing sort of the mechanics of some of this that I, I think can give us some insights here. You know, first off, when we look at a flood, when we, when we look at, at how these, these challenging parts of our life, that the parts that are dysfunctional, how they're kind of this part of this flood and can, can feel like a flood, looking at, at how that works and what are the spiritual dynamics here. And this is a piece of New Church theology that talks about those spiritual dynamics. Hell calls up every wrong we have done or even considered from childhood on. So I want to just stay there for a second. So, so, so again, like this flood, this idea, you know, these, these challenges we have in our mind, hell will call up everything we've ever done wrong, and we've all got plenty of ammunition there, or even considered. So something you thought about doing as well, hell will trigger that. Next slide. Stirring up both what is evil and what is false in us. So they, they pull up those worries, those concerns, those, all those angsty things. And then this is the clincher. And then they condemn us for it. <laughs> so, so it gets stirred up and then it goes, you're wrong for having that or having done that. Hell, in other words, both stirs our craving and stirs guilt around them. Now, it, it, it's not folks that, again, that we're to live completely guilt-free lives. Like, guilt is functional if it points to what we did wrong or it points to a challenge in our life that we need to clean up, that's all good. But we certainly don't want to live there. And it's understanding that, that, that these, these floods of life, they, they really do trigger us. 
You know, I know for me, and I've mentioned this here before, you know what gets triggered for me? My money demons. All my worries around money get, get triggered so quickly. And it's not just like a small trigger. It literally feels like a flood of emotion and a flood of worry and a flood of catastrophizing. Like the rain just keeps on going and going and going and going. And, and it, it, it's hard to get out of that. It's hard to move away from that. And so it's looking at those concerns and trying to say, oh yeah, where's, what, what's underneath it? Where's my ego concern? Power, prestige, possessions. Where's my ego concern that's, that's getting triggered here? And trying to get that there's a pleasure of insanity that wants us to stay there, as insane as that is. But that's the part God wants to free us from. That's the ark. Now, to free us from that, we have to move from our false self, where all the challenges are, into a truer self. The true self of who we've been from all time. Who God created you to be, made in the image and likeness of God. To do that, we come to see, and this is where we're going to be spending our time today, we come to see we are not in control and we are not that important. And I, I want to say, we're not in control, we're not that important. I realize that anytime you say we're not that important, that's a trigger for some people who struggle with self-esteem. I, I'm not talking about like it's not important to have self-esteem or to think of yourself in, a, in, a, in, a, in the way God does. But I want to sort of talk about some of the nuances around that, that we are not that important. We are not actually in control. Marcus is going to come forward now and do a song, and it's really about humility. That's what this is talking about. When we learn that we're not in control, we right-size ourselves, getting it in a certain sense, we're not that important. We get the kind of humility where God can do a lot of work. What an incredibly powerful song. You know, Lord, make me humble so that I'm strong. Lord, make me humble so that I'm strong. I think a truism that's, that's very accurate around religious truth, which is the truths you come to really trust are the ones that have a bit of a paradox to them. Because those are the ones that somehow hold the different nuances of life, like in humility there is strength. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's a key part, I think, of the Christian message. And we have to come down to to where we, we sit in that place, where we sit in that place. I want to chat a little bit about that over here, taking a, taking a seat over here for a second, about this understanding we're not in control. Now, we, when we understand and we come to see that we're not in control, it's, it's, it's something I talk about a lot, kind of, because, because this part of the story is, is essentially a sermon in the, in a box. In other words, like, you just look at the story and the truth is right there screaming at you. So this is that first part I want to talk about. What Noah went into was an ark. Notice. An ark. Not a boat. Not a ship. The word used for ark, there's only used one other time in the Bible, and it was 
Moses, the story of this ancient prophet who as a child was saved from being killed by being put in a little sort of bassinet that floated. Really interesting. When you look at how the ark was constructed, the story itself, the literal sense, I want you to notice this. There's no steering wheel. There's no rudder. There's no sails. There's no oar. There's no compass. All there was was something that floated. I love that idea because I think that's speaking to like this isn't something where we control and we somehow manage the journey through this. It's not how it works. It's something where we sit in it. And, and when you look, folks, at, at what some of the challenges are, like I imagine a lot of you, like this woman here, you know, when we think about it, you know, we're kind of sitting there in front of our computer screens and it feels like a flood and it, it feels like how do we get control over this? And that's why I think, just a little aside, we have to be super careful of the amount of news intake we have because it can be crazy making. And, and can keep us, you know, sort of locked in our own, in our own fears. And I, I think kind of that picture, you know, to me speaks to what this state is sitting in an ark, right? Where we're just, we're just sitting in this place. We're floating. We're not able to have the control that we're used to having. Lord, when I am humble, you make me strong. When I am humble, you make me strong. I think for me, you know, the, the challenge, and I, this I, I borrowed from an author who I really like. They said, we kind of have a choice here between hope and control. Now, I think for me, I, I totally get this. And I think this is a big struggle a lot of us share as being just part of the human race. Control versus hope. And where are we going to kind of put our effort? Where are we going to kind of put our lives? Where are we going to place it? Are we going to place it really trying to get more and more control in our life? In times like this, that may be increasingly impossible. Or are we going to try to put it over here in hope? Now, what is that hope? Well, this is, this is a conversation I had in line with, uh, had in line with a dear friend, Martha Pitcairn. We've been doing a podcast for Fridays. And, and I think it's this. You know, when I, when I coach swimming, I coached swimming for many years at Pocono Mountain High School, real highlight of my life. And, you know, teaching kids how to swim, not, not teaching from the ground up, but this was competitive swimmers, but teaching them how to be better swimmers, better swimmers, better swimmers. It was interesting. So much of it, ready for this, was teaching them to relax. To relax. You think about when you learned how to swim. I guarantee somewhere in there, one of the first things somebody said was, just relax. Ready? Relax because the water will hold you. Relax because the water will hold you. Relax 
because the water will hold you. That's the hope. It's not saying the storm ends or that there aren't challenges. It's just saying relax because the water will hold you. That's a beautiful concept. I'm going to step back over here. And it's married to this other concept. The idea that we're not in control gets married as well to the idea that we're, we're not actually that important. And, and again, I, I, it's, it's such a challenging one to say because obviously you are important. <laughs> You're incredibly important. Your true self, who you really are, is incredibly important. Other parts of it, maybe not so much. You think about how, how when you're in a storm, when you're in a storm, that, that smallness that we can feel, yeah, I'm not that important. Compared to the storm, the waves, the wind, the, the noise, I'm actually not all that important. And I think about Noah, and this was from our, our wonderful sermon writing team when we were talking about it. You know, Noah on this journey, as we are on a journey through a flood, is much more of a guest than a captain. Much more of a guest than a captain. And when we can start to sort of right-size that way, not in control, actually, with riding out this storm, not all that important, we start to discover some beautiful things. Notice what we start to discover, friends. What do we start to discover? I'm not just my cherished role. In other words, whatever your most cherished role is, you know, for me being a pastor, for you, fill in the blank. I'm not just my most cherished role. You know, you're actually more. Then we also, secondly, start to discover a common field where salvation is done Together, Council Rock students singing together, common field. We discover a common field where salvation is done together. We discover our deepest shared humanity as the great equalizer. Because again, COVID-19 doesn't care who you are. And, And what we find is we find God using that not inflicting that on us. I want to be clear, but, but using those really challenging times just to remind us, again, that we're all in this together, as we always have been. And we participate, and this was a big one, as a part of, not apart from. I would take a screenshot of that, friends. Participate as a part of, not apart from. From. It's incredibly powerful when we start to live that way and we start to see it. And, and you can see where in, where in God's economy, like the usefulness of, of, of really trying to keep those first things first, because that's where God can start to help us to learn, learn some things in these challenging times. Things that will actually serve us, serve our communities, serve our families. I think about this beautiful article I read about this guy. Didn't know anything about him. Cyrus Habeb. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, He is the lieutenant governor of Washington. 
Washington State. And, and he decided, he decided, you know, to, that he was going to give up his whole political career. And he was considered sort of this rising star politically in the United States. He was blind from the age of four, ended up going to Ivy League school, got a law degree, just, just every, everything you can imagine in terms of the self-made person. And then he had this big spiritual awakening where he decided, actually, he's going to shift. And all this fame and fortune doing really well, he's going to shift over into something different, which is to join the Jesuit order. And this is what he said about that. He said, I don't see this change as a shrinking of my world, he said. I see it as a shrinking of myself, my ego. When the focus is not so much on my brand, my messaging, my re-election, my fundraising process, my legislative agenda, you create more space for God to operate on you. You create more space for God to operate on you. When I am humble, I am strong. A powerful way to see that world. And what happens is, again, as those non-essentials of control are burned away, we start to get a new view. Again, this is another quote from Pope Francis. He wrote a beautiful little interview on on how to work through these times. And I, and I love this quote. We've realized we're all on the same boat. In other words, that common field of salvation, that great equalizer. This is so beautiful, folks. All of us, and I'd have you say this out loud if you were here in person, fragile and disoriented. If you're at home, say that with me. Fragile and disoriented. But at the same time, important and needed. And again, right there, important and needed. That both in, the fragile and disoriented, important and needed, the paradox that is deep spiritual truth captured there. On this boat are all of us. On this boat are all of us. I think we need to keep coming back to that. Keep sitting with that peace. On this boat are all of us. The chorus from Council Rock, that that, that community, like trying to get to that point where we start to see that fragile and disoriented, important and needed. And in those places, it, you know, the, the ego's neediness and judgments then have to go. So, so that neediness, all those judgments out of our ego, they just, they just kind of dissipate. Like the, in this weird way, the flood kind of washes them away. And we end up to be placed where even in the challenges, we can feel great joy. One of our parishioners decided with, with her boys, her and her husband decided they needed a way to celebrate the quarantine, hitting 40 days. So this is what they did. Is that a good picture or what? Decided to to bust out some little boats. Bust out some little boats there to celebrate that they'd made it through, that their little boats had made it through 40 days. 
And then what starts to happen, friends, and this is the takeaway. This is from John O'Donian. Again, really important. A place we can be, I think, when we start to get this message. What we're able to see is this. May you have the eyes to see that no visitor arrives without a gift. I want to sit there for a second. May you come to see that anyone, anyone who you have a touch point with comes bearing a gift. Discover what that gift is. Help them to see that gift. May you have the eyes to see that no visitor arrives without a gift. And may no guest leave. No guest leaves without a blessing. May no guest leave without a blessing. So let's have that in the week ahead as as we start to see people coming in, noticing that that maybe part of our job is just to have an openness of soul to receive the gift that they bring. And as they leave out of our lives or out of any situation, you know, as they leave, may we also just offer them our blessing right there. A gift and a blessing. That's a much better way, a much better way to hold the storm. That's a much better way to ride out the storm than to ride it out just purely in our fears, our worries, our concerns. Of course, we will have those fears, those worries, those concerns. Of course, we're going to struggle with those things we don't control. But may we come back to what is actually true. That everyone bears a gift. And that we, you, are to offer a blessing. Amen. To close today's service, just a few quick thank yous before a final prayer. First off, a thank you as always to the tech people who are enabling us to do this. We, speaking on behalf of the congregation and myself, so appreciative for what you are doing that enable us to do this. Second, a big thank you to Marcus and his mom for a beautiful song that so captured the spirit of today. And a thank you as well to those wonderful students from Council Rock who started us out with a beautiful song just to remind us about community. So now, please join me in prayer. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you, Lord, and help to remind us, remind us of what we can do to ride out the storm. Not from a place, Lord, of what we can control, but understand there's much that we can't control and much to understand that there are those parts that will right-size us away from what we consider important into what you consider important. Help us to live and breathe there. Help us to live, breathe, and find home there. Thank you, Lord, as always, for your presence here among us. Lord, keep everyone safe. Lord, help us as well to just continue to ride out this storm as best we can. And to remember, always, that there is this, that there is hope. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.